0: Hello and welcome to The Bikini Down Under where I, Kate Loder, your host, will be interviewing IFBB professionals from New Zealand, Australia and then abroad. Thanks for tuning in. Hey guys, welcome back to episode 12. I had such an awesome time recording with Troy Thornton from Team Destroy. He's such an open and honest person. Had me in tears of laughter the whole time, but he also really educated me and I hope you guys feel the same way. He really didn't hold back and yeah, an hour and 40 minutes of yeah everything bikini and beyond. So Troy, I can't thank you enough for sharing your time and knowledge with us. It was a lot of fun sort of 10 seconds which which is not (laughs) ideal but yeah yeah. so how are you anyway like post-covid no you're still in covid how how is your like you guys are all sort of shut down from gyms and whatnot still
1: yeah I'm uh training at home at the moment still been doing that but I kind of initially it was a bit of a pain in the arse, but now I don't mind it I mean I'm kind of used to it it feels weird I feel like I'm an extroverted person but I'm more myself now so I don't really care about going out and doing things as weird as it sounds
0: no, I agree. Like, I'm really enjoying my home workouts. Like, I sort of set everything up, like, that I don't really need to go into a gym. And we sort of moved an hour away anyway, so it's more convenient just to rock down to my gym.
1: Oh, hell yeah. What's uh, Is your gym
2: well-equipped, though?
0: Oh, I bought most of my stuff up from Christchurch um, when we moved up north. But yeah, I made this funny little cable machine with like, I bought a wee pulley and um, a bit of string. So yeah, I'm good to go. Like, I think as a bikini chick, you don't need like really heavy shit. But yeah, yeah I think if I was in, in the bodybuilding division, I might be struggling a little more for sure.
1: I'm on the same page as you. So when are you competing next, by the way?
0: So I'm looking at, I've actually realized, I actually didn't realise that you need to compete every year at a regional show. So I was hoping for nationals in October, and then I have realised that I've got to do a regional show, and the most convenient one is in 12 weeks' time. So I'm pretty pretty behind, but um, we're going to make it work anyway, because you only sort of need to get top three. So yeah, here's hoping. Okay. And, and they're not always the most stacked shows. Last year it wasn't anyway.
1: 12 weeks, what are we now? So we're in June. So it leaves July, August, and September. And then, oh, so it's like probably four weeks out of nationals. Is that right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm. But I sort of, I, I listened to my coach and I put on a bit of weight so I could gain some actual size. But now I'm looking at myself going, fuck, did I let myself go a little too much? But yeah, time will tell anyway.
1: Yeah. Who, who are some good coaches over there that you think? Who Who is your
0: coach, by the way? So I'm working with um, Ryan Milton from Team Flex over in the States. Yeah. So, and then we've got like Kurt Dell, who I interviewed over here. He's really good as well. I've got a really good reputation. Um, And then there's a guy from Ascend Nutrition, Phil. He's also got a pretty good name, but yeah, a lot of girls sort of outsource overseas. I noticed. Okay. So you probably have quite a few Kiwi girls on your team, like Rhiannon and.
1: Yeah, I've got a couple. Um, But I think that even Australia, like we had no one really wanting to, no one really claimed the position. I suppose in as a bikini coach or as a female coach, everyone was very much bodybuilding sort of focused and I thought this is a niche that needs to be fulfilled and attacked. I'm like, cool, this is this is my chance to do it. So that's obviously what got me into it. But yeah i know that's one of your questions but we'll get into that
0: yeah brilliant. yeah for sure we may as well i don't want to keep you too long so i guess we could even start with like your personal fitness journey and how i guess you even got into this in the first place like were you one of those kids that were like really lean and wanted to bulk up or like the chubby kid that wanted to trim down or yeah sort of what like, you yeah i work. was
1: the skinny kid yeah very athletic so very gifted in, in the sort of let's call it the sporting world but uh i was always very tall and was like nah like i i just Look like a rake almost, right? Yeah. So, wanting to put on some muscle, wanting to look good in a t shirt, wanting to look good at the beach, as lame as it sounds, I think probably most guys can resonate with that. And then I was like, All right, what do I need to do? I need to go to the gym. And I'm like, Wow, the gym, there's so many jacked up guys there. And when you go there the first time, it's a very intimidating experience. And I can imagine for people that might be listening, whether it's the ladies and dudes, everyone went through that sort of same experience. And I went there and I had no idea what was going on. And back then, there was no Instagram, there was no YouTube, so you couldn't just look up exercises. There was not a lot of information out there, so I just had to sort of look at the big dudes in the gym and go, "Okay, what are they doing?" And I sort of copied them. And a lot of obviously what I copied was probably not the best way to go about things.
0: Yeah, yeah, awesome. So, did you get a coach, or are you just sort of like you 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 sort of taught yourself from from scratch? I guess.
1: Yeah, I, had, I just taught myself from scratch, really, and I had no interest in, in bodybuilding. I just was like, I need to be this guy that's got. Really nice abs. I want some arms and shoulders and a chest, but no intention to compete. It was just the, I want to get into the gym. I want to feel good about myself. And, you know, you want to get a bit of attention from the ladies, as lame as that sounds like it, when you're not confident and probably a bit insecure as a kid, you know, yeah. maybe everyone can sort of go through their own sort of experience. But I didn't have attention. And I was like, wow, what do I need to do Like to feel good about myself and to get this attention? And I thought, all right, I'm going to work on myself because people obviously like that and I'm going to feel confident in my own skin.
0: For sure. And what about like your competing history? Like, have you competed yourself? I, I'm not even sure if you're an IFBB pro. Like, what what sort of uh, your? Competing I don't. Know. I
1: haven't competed in a long time. The last time that I competed was actually at a natural bodybuilding competition. So, yeah. no, I'm obviously not natural. But uh, I competed like a state show in uh, in Victoria. I won like a junior title. I went to nationals. Didn't do so well at nationals, but I didn't agree with the judging. But uh, never competed since. So I really haven't had that drive or ambition to compete I sort of just
0: enjoy food yeah. what about you because I heard you talking about WBFF like you were, you're sort of like thinking about maybe going down that road or then I heard you sort of saying you found the whole thing a little cheesy when it came to like the, the MC in regards to the men
1: yeah I'm like and I think that was before classic physique came along for IFB right there was always a gap and I'm like I'm not a bodybuilder I'm not a men's physique dude and I don't want to be doing board shorts with respect to that. Like, I love the men's physique look. I love the small waist, the broad shoulders, the taper is amazing, the conditioning's is probably better than most bodybuilders. But for me, I was like, I'm interested in posing and going from a natural federation where I was posing to doing IFBB. And obviously, going down that road, I wanted to be able to pose. And men's physique wasn't the right division for me. They didn't have classic physique. So I was like, where else am I going to go? Like, I don't know what to do. WBFF came along, muscle model was an opportunity. I went and attended a show and I really liked the look of them, but just this sort of the tackiness in the MC talking a bit of shit, the high fives when you're on stage. Like I'm not about that. Like if I want to compete, I'm competing to win, right? about making sure that if you're doing a 20-week prep, you're not doing it for second place, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't sort of respect the attitude of high-fiving people that are eight weeks out of shape. Like you haven't put the work in.
2: It doesn't belong
1: here. But I don't like that lack of competitiveness. I want to be able to compete and I want to be able to compete against people that are really crushing it in the gym.
0: Absolutely. So what about, do you train guys at all or is it strictly bikini? I mean, you definitely train women in other divisions, don't you?
1: Yeah. So I've, I've trained dudes in the past. I still have some, a couple of guys on the team, but I mainly focus on ladies. So I probably won't go into detail about you know the reasons why, but I just, it's interesting just quickly. I probably yeah. developed more of a love for bikini and I used to, I probably you've heard me say this a couple of times, but I used to hate bikini. It was my least favorite category. I was like going to a bodybuilding contest. I wanted to see the freaks on stage and I'd be like, oh crap, bikini's on. Are you kidding me? Like this is boring, but it's the complete opposite now where I just love bikini and yeah. I'm actually really starting to like wellness as a category as well.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Those Brazilian girls are insane. I don't know how, you know, the rest of us mere mortals are actually going to compete with them. But, yeah, it's a pretty cool division.
1: I need to start training legs more looking at these girls. though.
0: So. <laughs> yeah, um, tom hats, hack squats all around, right?
1: Exactly. You, you know what's up. Have you done that before yourself?
0: No, I haven't got – no. I heard you and Kiki talking about it. I'm like, I'm going to have to give that a whirl because quads is definitely something that I need to bring up. So, yeah, next time for sure.
1: I'll have to send you the link of um him doing it. I'm not sure if you've seen it, but it is – absolute murder for the outer quads.
0: right and do you do it like a slow tempo what do you like what's what's the go there
1: you can do a bit of both but i i like the sort of constant tension style so for anyone that's listening it's kind of like a very close stance but a duck sort of stance on the hack squat you put your feet as low on the platform as possible so your toes are actually going to come up which obviously is pretty much against anything that anyone's ever said but tom yeah. obviously the the king of quads this is his exercise so You want to be able to go all the way down, full range of motion, force your knees out. And it puts all the pressure on your outer quad because you're sort of, when your knees go out, you're putting all the tension on the outside of your foot. When you're pushing on the outside of your foot, you're hitting the outer quad. And to keep that tension on the quad, you go up and straight back down. There's no resting on the top. So you want that constant tension and you really get that outer quad burn because you're sort of rolling on the outside of your foot, if that makes sense.
0: Absolutely. It sounds brutal so I guess um with you not enjoying bikini so how did you end up training bikini you've sort of done a full 360
1: I have so I had a girlfriend at the time that was interested in competing and she was like oh you know can you prep me and I thought okay like this is gonna be fun because obviously I want her to do well and we did and back then it was an NBA, so I think it's well I'm not too sure what you've got over there but it's called ICN now You've got, yeah. don't you, over there as well?
2: Yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah,
1: yeah. So she competed in IMBA. I prepped her for that contest, and then she also wanted to do an I contest. Prepped her for I B was my first female competitor. She looked really, really good, like insane, especially uh, at the time she was a junior and yeah. just caught a lot of attention. It was like, wow, why is she so big? Got a lot of muscle, really good condition, stage presence, etc. And then a few people sort of said to me, oh, you know, can can you sort of work with me? At that time, I had no interest in really taking it full time. I was working as a PT, but I didn't really want to sort of push into competing so much. I don't know why at the time. I can't recall what the reason was, but I did sort of work with a few people here and there, just helping them out, athletes that I thought were really good that were going to take my time very seriously. Because when I do commit to my time, like my time to anything, I want to make sure that that person's on the same page, especially when it's not a job. Like at that point in time, it was a hobby for me. I enjoyed prepping a couple of competitors that were really good. And I'm sure that, you know, I didn't lose that joy.
0: For sure. I mean, I guess when you have girls on the team, like, do you get stoked when they have amazing genetics? I mean, I guess you really, that must be a great thing for a coach because that's not always the case, I guess.
2: Yeah.
1: Like it's when I see someone, if I haven't worked with someone before and they send me photos and I look at them, I'm like, Ooh, got a really nice shoulder to waist ratio. Got a lot of muscle. But what excites me more than anything is someone's mindset and commitment. So I have some ladies on the team that probably I would say a novice or a first-time competitor. They're just monsters in the gym. Like they've got this mindset that will just never stop. And I kind of get excited about those type of competitors more because I know they're going to sort of match my, my work ethic and mindset. Like I'm very strong in what I want to achieve. And I like people that give it the role and give it their best
0: for sure. So you're quite big on mindset. Like I see like your girls reading, I think it's Relentless Momentum by Tim Grover. Yeah. So that's like something you're really instilling your girls, right?
1: Uh, exactly. I, I think that, you know, the winning mentality is everything and it's not just in bodybuilding or bikini, but it's in life. So I'm a big fan of setting big bodacious goals that you probably can't think you, can't, you can achieve in your lifetime or in, you know, for bikini competitors, you know, who thinks they can win their first contest? Not a lot of people. But why not change that and say, you know what, I want to win that first contest, I'm going to, and commit to the idea of that. If you sort of fall short of that goal, you're not going to be disappointed because you're going to make sure when you are waking up in the morning, you're thinking about, oh shit, I can't be a lazy bitch today because I need to get the fuck after it. And then you're going to put it, push that sort of limit in the gym, you're going to train really hard, you're going to be very compliant versus I'm going to compete for the experience. You've got nothing to sacrifice for, you've got nothing to sort of, to really get angry about and to get focused about. So I think it's important, you know, not just for the result, but for your self-esteem, for progress, for your own personal happiness, commit to winning, commit to the idea of winning because it doesn't feel good to lose. And if you do lose, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I think it's it's how you handle it and the attitude moving forward. And eventually, if you have that attitude, that loss that you might get for the first time competing or for the second or third time, you'll eventually become a winner if you don't quit.
0: For sure. I even noticed actually listening to some of your podcasts, like all the girls that have one, they seem to have that mentality going into it. Like they were always talking about how they were going to come out on top anyway. So I think that's really important. You've got to have that mindset for sure going into a competition if you're going to do well.
1: Absolutely. And stop second guessing yourself. Just commit and say, yeah. I love this. You know, your obligation to yourself must be greater than anyone else's obligation to you. And that's a Tim Grover quote. So anyone that wants to sort of, you think, oh, you know, I'm not that confident, I don't have that mindset. You don't have to have the same personality type as me, but what you can do is believe in yourself and, you know, look up certain athletes that you might think might resonate with you in terms of, you know, their personality. But what you want to do is find like-minded people that have achieved success and look at how they've gotten there. Everyone has a different journey, but I think it's important to look at it from the point of view that success leads to lose. And a lot of these people that do well work very, very hard for it.
0: Exactly. So you always hear competitors talk about what they look for in a coach. I wanted to flip that around and sort of ask what you look for and what you think are some good habits or traits that set athletes apart from the pro-worthy for
1: Ooh, I think that just so first of all, setting the goal. So knowing what you want out of competing. So, you know, some people just want to step on stage for the first time because they haven't done it and they want to just see if it feels right for them. But I think it's important to also think about what the long-term thing is. So after that first contest, you you probably can decide where you want to go with it. If you want to win an open class, if you want to get a pro card, it's important to know where you want to go. So I I would suggest for everyone to think about what is the long-term goal? If you could achieve anything in the bikini sort of world, what would you want to achieve? And then focus on that. So attitude is the number one thing that I think can get anyone across the line. So you have to have the right attitude. Have the goal set in mind and then once you've got the attitude and you've got the goal, you can get after it. And that might come in the form of finding yourself a coach, finding yourself a training partner, connecting with like-minded people, speaking with an IFBB pro on Instagram or, you know, communicating, looking on YouTube, looking up different exercises. So I think what matters most is the intangibles as well. So believing in yourself, having the addiction to success. Winning is an addiction. You know, the who doesn't like winning? And I think it's important for everyone to sort of, to put it all on the line and to believe in yourself and to say, fuck it, I'm going to do it anyway. Like, I think this is so scary. The idea of me winning probably sounds impossible, but I'm going to commit and I'm going to train like my life depends on it because I want to do well. I demand more of myself. So that type of attitude is probably the number one thing that I absolutely love. Like someone that knows where they want to go, if they come to me and say, I want to I want to win a pro cut. Some first-timers come to me and say that. And I'm like, wow, I, I just love that type of attitude. It doesn't mean it's unrealistic. It just means that the time frame for that first timer to get a pro card is going to be a lot longer than a competitor that's in the open class that might have placed in the top three or top five in the last few shows.
0: Absolutely. Um, and what about when girls sort of join Team Destroy? Like what can they expect, like in terms of training programs, nutrition programs, like is posing part of all of it?
1: Yeah, so I'm kind of crazy the way that I work. I like to do daily correspondence with my athletes. So it doesn't matter if they're in the off-season or if they're in contest prep. So daily check-ins is something that I like to do. And the reason why that I do that is because it's accountability. So if you're sending me a weight every morning, you better know that I'm going to be on your ass. And I'm going to figure out what's going on. And if you fall off the bandwagon, like everyone does, like everyone has a cheat meal, you have social events, that type of thing. I can then sort of change things around rather than wait for that once a week check-in bullshit that a lot of coaches do that I really don't like. And then it's like, you know, how can I sort of make adjustments for that cheat meal if I've had it on a Wednesday and you're checking in on a Saturday? So I like to do daily correspondence. uh, So it keeps them accountable. It builds the relationship. So building a team culture and making sure that ladies sometimes aren't comfortable to communicate. And by encouraging daily correspondence they eventually sort of go, oh, you know what? I feel comfortable to ask Troy these questions and some difficult questions as well. So it just, open communication line is probably the number one thing that I really like to sort of push on these girls to make sure that they feel comfortable. And not only that, they're obviously accountable and they're going to get the results they want.
0: Awesome. And do you prefer like video check-in or, or photo? Like, is there is there one that works better for you?
1: So I always leave it up to the lady. So whatever they feel comfortable with. Some first timers don't feel comfortable posing, and you know straight away. So I sort of leave it up to the individual. But once if it's an open competitor, videos are always the way to go. So it's just something that obviously you can look at conditioning a lot better. You can look at posing, look at confidence, and yeah, video always wins over photos.
0: For sure. And what about I guess I mean I think I know the answer to this, but when girls join the team, are they getting prepped solely by you? Like you're not outsourcing to anybody else; you do the whole thing.
1: Yeah, I do. Like all these ladies have my number, so I'm communicating on WhatsApp. So it's um pretty insane to do that. But it's funny that you mentioned you know you asked that question because I'm actually going to hire a another coach, an opposing coach for the team, um, which I'll be announcing sort of in the next week or so. But that person will be responsible for her own clients, so it's not like for example, you come to the team. Ah, you. Am I going to get Troy? Or am I going to get the other coach? Like you'll be told which coach you're going to get if you know oh. you. If you want that, so I've got a female coach coming on for some of the ladies that may not want a male coach. They may not feel comfortable with a male coach, which sometimes happens. And then I will also be able to oversee what that coach is doing in terms of you know, peak week strategies, and also educate them to make sure that they're up to scratch and the way that I like to do things.
0: Awesome, I love that. And what about, um, we've got a listener question here. So, in your opinion, if a competitor was looking to make a career out of competing, which federation is likely to bring you more financial success out of the IFBB or the WBFF?
1: Uh, Okay, I would say, are we talking for bikini competitors?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Look, I think it would be difficult to not say WBFF, consider the top five. Uh, Like, I mean, look at Rachel Dillon, look at Lauren Simpson obviously both australians they're absolutely killing killing the online game versus isa the current reigning miss olympia angelica i think that it would be safe to say that rachel and lauren are outperforming them from an online presence so a social media point of view in terms of following in terms yeah. of uh, their business as well how it's structured they'll be making a lot of money these girls but i'm not too sure if that's organization specific or if it's an individual thing i think that these ladies really focused on the marketing side of things. But then again, WBFF is all about marketing and they encourage their athletes to be about that and to have a certain look and to be marketable year-round. So that might be something that they've, I suppose, learned and experienced from that organisation. So it's hard to say, but I would probably, if I had to point someone in one direction, I'd say WBFF. But it all depends on your social media following, your attitude. You have to do the work. The organisation isn't going to you know do you any favors but I do think the WBFF probably look after the athletes a little bit more in terms of the marketing side of things
0: yeah like I mean if you just listen to like Ash or Hattie like they're incredibly polished they're very articulate it's, it's almost as if like they're PR trained like they, they just speak so beautifully
1: 100% when I, I interviewed Hattie on the podcast for, uh, mine for was it a couple of weeks ago and uh, when I spoke to like, us it's like she's just the natural like absolute mm. game over and that that comes with exposure, that it comes with experience and how do put herself in that position to get that exposure and experience.
0: So she talks like a champion. Absolutely, yeah. I couldn't believe that she was actually nervous to do a seminar. I thought that was really cute, like given how big she was and like how much talking she obviously has done in the past. Like it was it was really interesting to hear that she still gets nervous as well.
1: But hey, I think everyone still gets nervous. Do you get nervous when you're doing it before you do a podcast episode?
0: Oh, I do pace. Like today, I think because of my hearing. <laughs> I definitely feel more special than normal. But um, yeah, it depends. Definitely, I've got a lot better as time's gone on, for sure. But yeah, the first one, I took like a nip of vodka and I was like, fuck, here we go. But yeah, I think it also, it really depends on how well like you jam with someone. Like if you really get along and bounce off each other, it makes it a whole lot easier, for sure.
1: Yeah, I've, like, I'm not going to lie. I've done a couple of interviews where I'm just like, wow, I'm
2: struggling right now. This is very difficult. <laughs>
0: yeah. I eventually Warm up, but yeah, I know what you mean. Just like, oh my god, like you're doing all the talking and they're sort of giving you one word answers back. It can be quite challenging.
1: <laughs> and and it's not like sometimes the, the people that are you're interviewing, you know, you know that they're capable of it, but there might be nerves or a few other things going on. But you know what that could be a thing you know for, for all the bikini girls you, you jump on a podcast have, have a shot of vodka you'd be good to
2: go
0: exactly yeah no I was listening to was it Shana Garcia I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing her name but she did a, um, a podcast but I think it was live fit professional and she reminded me of me like and it was like you knew that she like knew what she wanted to say but she was just getting nervous that she was like ah oh, next question I can totally relate to that definitely Yeah. So I wanted to ask you, this is another listener question. So in terms of like, um, and and I'll just add a disclaimer in there, like I'm not promoting plastic surgery, Mm -hmm. but if you had a client come to you and say they had like a larger nose or they had a smaller chest and they wanted to get surgery, which one do you think I guess would benefit you more in terms of what a judge would like rank you for? Like, is there any sort of feedback you could give on that?
1: So, I mean, I would always say, look, for the individual, if something bothers you, get it done you know yeah. individual I, I would never ever say to anyone you should get a boob job because the judges like it I would say to that judge go fuck yourself so yes. for the ladies out there that are thinking that they need to get their breast done to place well that's a load of bullshit Laura Lee is a perfect example second at the Olympia in 2018 was well, she fourth this year uh, last year as well so well, was,
2: yeah.
1: I mean she she hasn't uh, got any implants natural as well as gen dory i believe as well so two ladies in the top five of the Olympia with awesome physiques that are an example of competing at a high level and being rewarded without breast implants so that's the first thing that i want to say yeah if you really were like which one Troy, should you do i would always pick the nose job yeah every time because it's going to fix your profile most time most of the time that ladies or anyone that has an issue with their nose it's like it's going to fix your profile it's going to make you so much more confident you're probably going to appreciate stage photos, a bit more, that type of thing. And uh, I actually had a nose job myself. So I'm speaking from experience.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I guess I was sort of saying as well, like WBFF, I feel like they're looking at the whole package. So is IFBB strictly looking at body composition? Or if I guess you fixed up a nose that you weren't happy with, do you think that comes into play? I just,
1: uh, I think probably, look, if you're doing bikini and physique, you obviously want to make sure that your presentation is on point and that includes your hair and makeup. And your face, of course, it, it plays, you know, into it, especially when you're smiling. So for yeah. me, I actually broke my nose when I was playing football, so Australian rules football over here. When I was younger, I got smacked in the, <laughs> it smacked in the sort of in the nose when I was growing up in a pack marking, and oh. um, I didn't get it fixed because I was lazy. And then it sort of bothered me after the fact, years and years. And I'm like, why didn't I do that? Because my nose was fine, and I walked around with a bung nose for a few years. And I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna get this fixed. So I, <laughs> I was glad that I did that. And I think anyone that's been in a position where they feel a little bit uncomfortable about something, get it fixed. You'll feel good about yourself. But I definitely want to put the message out there that never let anyone tell you what you should do. It's up to you as an individual. If you'll feel comfortable doing it, if you'd like to do it, do it. But don't let anyone else dictate what you want to do
0: completely agree with that so moving on to coaches troy that you respect in the industry is there anyone out there that yeah you sort of yeah that you back
1: 100% back
0: 100% if you couldn't take on any more girls is there anyone that you'd sort of recommend i guess to, to coach bikini girls a lot of
1: people are going to get butthurt over this but I, it's just back so i want to say that i don't know all, every coach that's first and foremost Sure. I can only hear things. So there's always two sides to a story. So sometimes competitors will, will tell me something ridiculous and I'm not the type of person to just accept what they're saying as fact because sometimes the coach is a different experience. So in saying that, I definitely hear a lot of good and bad things about certain coaches. And for me to respect someone, I have to have a very similar work ethic to me. Like I said to you, I offer daily correspondence with my girls. I do audio calls. I do phone calls. I do whatever I need to do to get the job done. And that's in the fucking off season. So for me to respect you, you better be doing the same shit. And that pretty much cuts everyone off except for one dude in Melbourne who actually doesn't even do this full time. So his name's Aaron Casey. He's a mate of mine and he actually prepped uh, Jake Nicolopoulos, who's an IFAB Australian pro. He was going to do his Arnold debut uh, this this year before COVID happened. And uh, he is just a very knowledgeable, genuine, caring person who just knows his shit. He knows his pharmacology like... No one that I could sort of explain. And a lot of people pretend like they know about drugs. of oh. bullshit. I've learned a lot about the performance management side of things from him. We discuss and exchange ideas all the time. And he just knows what he's doing. Now, in terms of you know nutrition, he certainly does as well. He feeds his athletes. A lot of athletes are quite muscular, quite healthy. He's on the modest side of things with his recommendations. So he's someone that I would definitely recommend... But he probably more so handles, you know, bodybuilders and ladies that aren't necessarily bikini athletes. He probably would go to the wellness, the figure and the physique route. So it's a little bit different than what I do, but he's someone that I would trust a hundred percent.
0: Brilliant. And what about like Scott Goble? I think he's in Melbourne as well. Is he, he'd be someone that would be really respected as well in the industry?
1: Yeah, I actually like Scott. So some of the results that he gets, like Scott and I talk all the time and he's probably the only other person that I really would respect in the industry in terms of his results like across the board. So not just bikini athletes, but figure, you know, he's, he has a lot of good athletes in, in bodybuilding, etc. I mean, one of his bodybuilders uh, just won the pro card at the Arnold Australia as well. So Scott's someone that knows what he's doing, but in terms of, you know, correspondence, I, I don't think that he offers the same things that I do or Aaron does. So that's probably the reason why, but I would definitely put Scott in that group uh, in terms of anyone else
0: even internationally like what about ricardo is it panan i'm just try- i'm not sure if i'm pronouncing yeah and-
1: you're gonna get me in a lot of trouble with this one but
0: <laughs> we can edit it out after Troy. if you're not happy yes. i'm not sure no, I,
1: don't- don't- I didn't give two because- <laughs> you know what this is the thing it's um you can't be sued <laughs> if you tell the truth <laughs> so you know it- it's there's there's so many people that uh Probably and and he he seems like you know he's, he doesn't come across as an asshole, right? Yeah. On social media, he doesn't come across like he is a know-it-all. Yeah. That's not the case. But I've seen a few of his ladies have messaged me bikini girls, and I've seen some of their drug protocols. And this is fact. So I can, I've got I can prove this no problem. In- sure. Injection injecting for bikini girls, you know. So this is Mr. Bikini Olympia coach fucking advising a amateur bikini girl to inject. Right, so, and there have been circumstances like that that have been across the board, and there's some idiot coaches that I really don't like that don't do the same thing to that level. I was actually surprised to see that. I was like, "Fuck, here we go, another one." And then, yeah,
2: right.
1: and then if you look at his team, right? Let's be real. Let's keep it real. Yeah, if you look at his team. A lot of his ladies, their jaws are changing. Yeah, that mm. they're not that feminine. I'm not going to sort of point out specific athletes because that wouldn't be fair on the athlete. Don't want to put anyone down. But if you look at the team and you check out their masculinity, I mean, ladies and gents, have a look for yourself. It's, it's, it's right in front of you.
0: For sure. What do you think about Adam Bonilla from Team Elite Physique? Like he's doing, he's pretty big on the circuit.
1: Yeah. yeah. Cookie cutter. Cookie cutter shit. Yeah, right. Yeah, cookie cutter. Kimoto? Cookie from, same thing, cookie cutter. So there's been a few girls that, in Australia that have worked with both of them and they've told me the same thing. It's just copy and paste programs.
0: Yeah, right.
1: Yeah. But I, I guess in comparison, it's probably not the, to the same level of drug abuse as the others, but they all look at bodybuilding a sport and bikini. There's some PEDs involved, you know, but I think what I'm all about is if you're going to use modest dosages are so important, but a lot of these guys that just do a lot of volume coaches, they just pump it out and they don't really give a fuck about the, Athlete that give a fuck about the end result and they care about the pocket. So what goes in their pocket is what is m- more important than keeping ladies feminine and making sure that they're healthy. So for me, that means that I respect you. So you can be successful. Like obviously, on to Issa's coach, successful dude, he's obviously brought a lot of athletes that have to the stage that are kicking ass. But yeah. hear from amateur competitors that have messaging me saying, "What do you think about this protocol?" And I'm like, "Are you fucking serious?"
0: Well, can I ask, like, sort of what sort of drugs girls are using? Like, I'm just sort of curious as to sort of the drugs they go to.
1: So for that, for Issa's Coach?
0: Yeah, just or just in general, I guess. What are some of the drugs that girls may use in bikini?
1: Oh, may use. Okay, so <laughs> Issa's Coach was completely out of his fucking mind. But I would say the common drugs that would be used in bikini would be Anavar, Proviron, Clenbuterol, um, anti-estrogens, nolbidex, Aramidex, et cetera, diuretics, Potentially. Um, Mm. So, common doesn't necessarily mean that it's good for you, but it's something that would be probably prescribed across the board with most coaches.
0: Yeah. What about trend? Is that used in sort of, is that strictly for guys or?
1: It's not really strictly for guys, no. So, a lot of, there are, I wouldn't say a lot, there are some coaches that recommend that and they're retarded. You shouldn't use trend as a female. Like, and I know that there are some ladies that might be listening to this. And they might be like, oh shit, like this this motherfucker's just saying it like it is. But do not use fucking trend. Like you don't need to. Like I've seen, like if you're injecting as a female, let's just forget about bikini, for example. In figure, you don't need to fucking inject as a figure athlete. And Mm -hmm. people out there that might be butthurt listening to this that think, oh, of course you can because you have to because there's a certain level of development you can't achieve without drugs, blah, blah, blah. Less is more, you fucking retards. Like this is straight up facts. And if you're injecting trend and other things, you're losing your femininity and goodbye eggs. Keep keep injecting trend and see where your ovaries are at and if you can release any eggs because you're probably not going to have kids when you're older. So that's something that needs to be thought about right now, not, oh, you know, I'll just sort of inject this and see how it goes. You're going to fry your eggs, you're going to be sorry.
0: Wow. Do you think there's a lot of that going on, like, probably outside of maybe Australia or New Zealand? Like, or, or is that, do you think, quite prevalent in Australia?
1: I wouldn't say it's prevalent in Australia. There are certain circumstances where I hear something like, wow, it's not the standard or the norm. It does happen, but I think it happens a lot more than it should. That's probably my stance and things. So there's pressure from coaches to get results and these coaches are incompetent idiots and they're prescribing ridiculous protocols because they want to win and they don't realize that toxicity plays a big role. There's so many different factors that play a role in getting the final result and I mean, how many times have you seen someone that is really not feminine in bikini win a bikini mm-hmm. contest? It doesn't happen often. It's generally the pretty girls that look really nice and petite. They're probably natural, or if they're not natural, they might be using very low dose. I mean, isn't that a sign that abuse is absolutely retarded?
0: A hundred percent. Like, how how soon, I guess, would you say the jaw starts changing? Like, how many cycles in or years in?
1: Uh I depends on what different. you're using. So, it depends on what. Yeah. You're if you're going to use something like, see. A big problem is most ladies will go, oh, you know, or the coach will say, use some Anavar, and mm. most people are like, okay, yeah, Anavar's not bad, you can use that. It, more often than not, it's it's not actual Anavar; it's fake. It's probably something like d ball and within I would say two to three weeks, you'll start seeing changes in your jaw if it's if it's uh if it's fake.
0: You're right. Wow, we girls definitely not needed. Don't do it. And what are your thoughts on Psalms? Like that's they're legal in Canada, yeah?
2: Yeah.
1: Look, I haven't really sort of recommended anyone to use it, so I can't really. I don't really have a comment on that. I don't think from the results that I've seen other people get. So some people like Osterine, for example, but the results I think aren't that great, and it's quite expensive. So you know, I guess up to the individual it hasn't obviously been researched in terms of the long-term side effects as well. Where something like VAR, if it's real, like that's a big asterisk. If it's real, there's sort of, you know, a little bit more documentation on in terms of what to expect long-term.
0: Awesome. And so getting back onto coaches, are there any out there, um, some other ones that you think are maybe overhyped or just really good at the marketing side of things?
1: Uh, There's a dude in Canada. He's an absolute dickhead. And, um, Um, you know, same thing like nine, like 900 calorie diets, 16 weeks out. Yeah. Two hours of cardio a day. You're retarded, like absolutely retarded and cookie cutter shit. But you know, when you've got a coach that pays their top athletes, you know, a certain fee to stay on the team, ladies don't understand that these athletes are only on the team because they're getting paid, use them as the head of the business. And then what happens is all these young girls go, Oh, Laura Lee's with this coach. I should go with this coach too. And then boom, recurring business. It's a business. It's not about, The result. It's not about passion. It's about the money. And obviously, with any business, there needs to be some element of money, of course. But there also needs to be an element of value, an element of passion, and wanting to do the right thing. And I also think that when you do the right thing, you're going to have a high client retention rate. These coaches that do stupid shit have a very low retention rate. But because of their head bikini athletes that are getting paid, and if they're professional athletes, those athletes stay. And all the other amateurs sort of go to other coaches and they'll send you messages saying how retarded the coach is. And it's not just one bad experience or two bad experiences. It's it's so many different experiences from so many different people. So it's not like, oh, that's just a once-off. Like you can have a once-off client that doesn't like what you do and it wasn't a good experience for whatever reason, but hearing consistent stories over time about the same thing over and over again. And then obviously there's a drug side of things. So, you know, when you're, a lazy coach. You put someone on fuck all calories, you give them anti-estrogens, and you say go for it. And then they'll get in condition. So you have really impressive before and afters on Instagram. And you're the type of wanker that will zoom in on the after photo to give an appearance of more size. I mean, you're a dickhead. So, but I think everyone's aware of this kind, you know, type of shit that goes on.
0: Yeah, for sure. Like, I was really surprised, like, Laura Lee being on 700 calories. Like, I, I mean, i obviously not a coach myself, but I was just like, wow, they are, they're incredibly low calories.
1: Yeah. And she's got a freakish metabolism, by the way. She really does. If you, you know, I actually uh, was lucky enough to meet her and be, became cool friends, I guess, when she was here yeah. last time, just talking a bit of shit. And that was yeah. when she was with Elite. And was sure. Before she went to Atlas and we're just discussing things. And, you know, and that's why, obviously, I form my opinion on what exactly happens the result and when you get a hard-working athlete like Laura Lee like for listeners listen like use common sense Laura Lee looked her best in 2018 why when she placed second to Angelica she worked by herself why doesn't she look as good as she used to like
2: yeah.
1: isn't that a no-brainer because she's dealt with two idiot coaches
0: interesting very interesting Troy I'm loving this podcast <laughs> so i guess um, I, should a, I should have had
1: a shot of vodka before i came on
0: you should have we both should have i need a hearing aid as well while we're at it. <laughs> i've got some hypothetical questions so i wanted to know like for someone that naturally holds a lot of water what would you recommend um you know to do in terms of bring that down
1: are we saying in the contest prep
0: Yeah, or even like peak week, like, yeah, if someone sort of retains water, what do you do to, I guess, flush it out? And I'm sure it's different from person to person, but yeah, just maybe some general ideas.
1: So I would say, I would look at, depending on what they're doing, so if they're on anabolics, if they're natural or not, so that's two different things that would influence water retention.
0: Sure, let's go with natural.
1: Yeah, natural. So I would probably say that this person might be stressing a lot. It could be inflammation from legs, training legs very frequently, it could be doing from a lot of cardio. So I would back off on cardio, which would reduce inflammation, which would reduce water retention as well. Have a couple days off. Like if you're that waterlogged and you're not looking good, your body needs rest. It's inflammation. So people are scared to rest in peak week. I would have one to two days off depending on that person. Like you need to make that decision based on checking photos. So if you have a coach uh, that you're working with or you're working by yourself, whatever it is, take photos in the morning and at night or videos morning at night and then compare. And I would probably say rest is the number one thing for someone that would be holding water. And I would also increase my water amount. I'd flush it. So if you're having three litres of water, I'm not a big fan of water loading, but for someone holding water, you have to actually increase it and flush it.
0: Interesting. Okay. And what about steady state overhead? Like is there a preference that you prefer?
1: I like to use both, but it also depends on the recovery. So if I have someone doing some crazy leg volume in their prep, I definitely like to use HIT, but provided it doesn't affect their leg recovery, so sure. I'm a big fan of HIT. Like I've always been a big fan of HIT. So it depends on the person, but generally I would like to incorporate both. Very rarely do I not. Um, there are some situations where I only have slow cardio, and that would probably be maybe towards the end of prep, where I need to, where if the calories are a little bit low and I don't want to be burning through too much. Well, if there's a, if you've got someone dieting right in a deficit. And their glycogen stores aren't full, you probably don't want them smashing out hit because they're not going to be burning out carbs. They're going to be burning muscle. So, there's a lot of factors that might influence whether or not you want someone to do hit or not. So, I definitely say yes to hit um, as a general answer, but depending on the person, the calories that they're on, and their recovery.
0: Brilliant. And what about carb sources to fill out on peak week? Like I heard Steph talking about how, I think when she was with team Atlas, how like rice was bloating her. So is there like a go-to that you go to or yeah, what do you prefer?
1: So it depends on the person and you know, with Steph, when you're loading up on rice a lot, some ladies can take it, some can't. So Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of just asking the client or when you're working with the client, you sort of know what they can and can't have. So some ladies rice is fine basmati or jasmine, I definitely would avoid sweet potato. You, you don't want to have too much fiber stuff when you're carving up. Sure. I, I think it definitely clogs. It also depends how flat you are. So if you're on yeah. a peak week, week and you've been depleting, you haven't had refeeds, you're going to be really, really flat. So you're going to need a lot of carbohydrates to fill out. So it's all—it's it's also about the amount of volume that's in the stomach. So if you're eating a kilo of rice the day before the show, you're probably going to bloat. But you might need that kilo of rice to carb up, so starting a carb up earlier would be a logical thing to do. And I would play with food sources that you know. I so not play with food sources. Sorry, I would only use food sources that you know that are easy to digest. So, if it's if you really love sweet potato and you find that's amazing for you, if, despite what I just said, use sweet potato. If you're the type of person that can't have sweet potato for bloating, as some ladies are, use rice or use whatever you can.
0: Sure, okay, that makes sense. What about waist trainers? Like, do you like them or are you sort of against them? What are your thoughts there?
1: I let the athlete decide themselves. Yeah. I definitely think it's effective. The only asterisk that I would put on it would be that sometimes, like, I did a crash dummy test myself. I wore a waist trainer and I got acid reflux. And I didn't realize that it was the waist trainer giving me acid reflux until I sort of eliminated all variables. I'm like, hold on, what am I doing? Let's, let's analyze what am i eating. I'm like, am I developing an intolerance to chicken or is it beef? Is it the mac oil that I'm having? I'm thinking all these crazy things. And I'm like, no way it's the waist trainer. Uh, Cause I can't remember the protocol that I was using at the time, but I had the waist trainer on the tightest possible sort of fitting. And wow. I found that I got a lot of acid reflux. So for someone that can use a waist trainer that doesn't have those symptoms, definitely use it because it can benefit you and your waist. But if it's going to affect your eating, your appetite, you're getting acid reflux, then don't use it. So I would say, again, depending on the individual, but if you can't wear a waist trainer, wear a belt when you're training to minimize, you know, to keep your waist as small as possible.
0: Absolutely. And what about stomach vacuums? Do you incorporate those?
1: Definitely. Really important. So I would say planking is probably something that everyone needs to do. So plank, planking or prone holds, depending on what you like to call it that will activate your transverse process. That same muscle, the transverse process, is what you use to manipulate uh, when you're doing a vacuum. So most people can't do a stomach vacuum because they haven't activated their transverse process. They don't have a good minor muscle connection. So I would start with planks first, develop a really strong minor muscle connection there, develop strength there, and then you can move on to vacuums.
0: Brilliant. And do you have like a favorite way to do those, like lying down, sitting out, what's your go-to?
1: There's different levels, so depending on where you're at. So for a newbie, I think the easiest way to do it would be literally lying on your back, so you're not fighting against gravity. You're actually using gravity to your advantage.
0: Awesome, yeah, that makes sense. What about um, meal plan or macros, Troy? What is your go-to there? Like, I suppose I think you've got even like Nicole. She does macros, um, and then you've got a couple of obviously on meal plan, right?
1: Yeah, so I'm a big meal plan dude because I'm like I'm sort of like a OCD. I like to control everything, but if the athlete prefers macros I've actually got a lot more lately on macros I don't know what's happened but they they make that selection uh, when we have the discussion like what do you want to do I want macros cool let's do macros let's work with it so I leave it up to the individual but I prefer having control because I can see what they're eating I can see if there's any information in different types of foods because if they're eating consistent foods week to week especially in prep you know you're not relying on any other variables but If they're having a bit of milk, they're having a bit of this, bit of that. And then all of a sudden they're having a bit of gut inflammation or they're having bloating. You need to sort of figure out what is the food or what's the source of food that's causing the issue. And you can't really identify that if they're having so many different food and so many different food sources. So that would be something that would be looked at later in prep off season. I think more people should do macros that way they can eat what they like. Mm. But for some people like me, like I'm a really lazy cook. So I just wanna cook in bulk, lazy dude cooking. Give me all the rice and chicken and tomato sauce. You know what I mean? Like I, I like to I like simplicity.
0: Absolutely. I, I also think almost like you have higher adherence as well because girls are just strictly following the plan. Like when you're doing macros, it takes quite a bit of effort to sort of plug everything and work out your macros.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I think uh, I've had that issue with a couple of ladies. Some are like, oh, you know, I want to do macros because I want flexibility because I have a sweet tooth. I'm like, yeah, that makes logical sense. Let's do macros. And then a week later, they're like, Troy, I'm, I'm overeating. You know, can we go back to a diet plan? I'm like, sure, let's do it. So depending on what everyone's needs are, You know, some people can do macros and do it perfectly. Some actually need a proper diet so they don't get uh, that temptation.
0: Absolutely. And what about, um, so do you believe that a bikini athlete has to lift heavy in order to grow or do you prefer focusing on time under tension and muscle mind connection?
1: So I think both. I definitely think that form is intensity, right? So form is intensity. You need to make sure that you're putting your mind into the movement. Tempo work is very important, but if you've got a good minor muscle connection, you can lift explosive and still get really good results. The problem is, is that most people don't have that connection. So I, I find that people that want to develop that connection with their glutes or the, develop that connection with their lats or their shoulders a little bit better, more from the not probably glutes and, and back development, that's an issue. So slow things down, feel the movement. And it's funny that this whole COVID-19 thing happened because a lot of people are using resistance bands like one arm rows. Probably the best thing for you to develop the minor muscle connection. You know, hmm. The one arm banded goes, that type of thing, because you're you have maximum resistance at the point, the highest tension point, you're holding and squeezing. Like perfect way to learn how to activate. And then when you go back in the gym, provided that your form's there, lift as heavy as you can, but never compromise weight for form.
0: Absolutely. And what about this is another listener question here. What do you think? Like, do you have a reason why you think brunettes kill it on the international stage?
1: I just think that – I don't think that it, blondes aren't awesome. It's just that there happens if Essa was blonde, she'd be winning Olympia. Like, it, there's no conspiracy theory against blondes. And I've had a, I had an argument with a few people as well. It's like maybe there just isn't a kick-ass blonde on the Olympia stage. Like, have you thought of that? Like, I don't know anyone that can say, Troy, look, she belongs in the top 10. Like, are you serious? Why isn't she in the top 10? Because there isn't a blonde that probably deserves to be in the top 5 or top 10 right now back in the day there was who was that um Justine Monroe she was from an yep. and she was always like in the mix but then she sort of went off for a little bit I don't know what she's doing her own thing came back and competed I guess in the last 12 months and got destroyed because her physique hasn't really made improvements and her posing sucks.
0: Sure yeah no that makes sense um, and what about I guess posing from a male's perspective like is there anything you wish the ladies wouldn't do is there anything that drives you nuts that they do?
1: Yeah. Okay. Wow. This
2: is <laughs> a good
1: I would say the number one thing, I mean, because everyone can always pose better, but yep. enjoy yourself, like walk out on stage and just have your, have your own character, have your own swag, smile and literally be in the moment and enjoy it. Like there's nothing worse than someone that has their head down, has really shit posture that doesn't look like they want to be there. So even if you're not the best poser, because I'm sure there's many like people that aren't and that's fine. That's okay. You don't have to be a mm. composer, but be there and enjoy yourself. When I see someone come out on stage that has the biggest smile on their face and they're just in the moment, whether they're in shape or not, you're sort of drawn to their charisma and their presence and you're like, I like this person automatically. It's like yeah. you walk down the street, you go to the shopping centre, like, oh, right? you're getting like a checkout check who's serving you and they're just all grumpy with their, like, a shit face and the posh is terrible. You're like, fuck, can't, can't wait to get the fuck out of here, right? Yeah. But someone greets you, like they lift your mood up, they're just... It, smiling is like is everything. So I would say smiling is probably number one and the general attitude on stage, like have the right attitude on stage. If you don't know how to pose, that's okay. You'll figure that out later.
0: Yeah. Sure. What about like amateurs when they come out? Like, do you prefer they come out and hit like a side pose and just get off to the side or go through the full sort of front, back, like given that they haven't got as much time as say a pro?
1: Milk that shit. I say milk it. You're, this is your time, ladies, right? So sometimes like, oh, we're, we're half an hour late, we're an hour late. You've only got to do an eye walk instead of a T-walk. Uh, fuck you. That's what I'm going to say. If I was a bikini competitor, I'm going to say, fuck you. I'm going to do I what it. I want. I'm going to slow down the transition. I'm going to own the stage because I paid for my time. I work for my time. And I didn't give a fuck. What did I do? The judge is going to tell you off when you get off stage? Cool. I'll accept that.
0: Awesome. I love that. Yeah. So girls, rock at the front and the back. And what about pumping up? Troy, what do you recommend for the bikini ladies? Because you often see like the pros sometimes pumping out backstage, and then some people say not at all because it brings out the legs. So yeah, what are your thoughts on that?
1: I would definitely, yeah, just don't pump up your arms. Like don't like I see bikini like as a bikini competitor, why are you doing your what's with the bicep curls backstage? (laughs) Right? Like don't do any biceps, don't do any triceps. Pump your back because that's gonna give you taper. Pump up your glutes, because obviously glutes are important and, and you dealt. So just focus on those three things and alternate between your back, shoulders and glutes. Anything else is a waste of time. Like I see bikini girls doing biceps. I actually correct them. Like, like oh, you, you know, don't do biceps because even if they're not my clients, see someone backstage, I just tell them go, focus on shoulders. I go, you know, and I explain the reason why. Like, you don't want to put anyone down and say, oh, you're an idiot, but sure. educate them go, okay, that's not the best way to do things. I still find it funny when I see girls do it. Like, I'm like, in my, in my, like my, inner dialogue, I'm just like, what the fuck? But then, yeah. you know, you have a conversation, you like, look, this is what you should do because this is going to look good on you. And they're like, okay, thank you. And they're happy.
0: Exactly. And are you always just sort of recommending bands, like you wouldn't ever have any like dumbbells in your arsenal.
1: No, yeah, dumbbells are cool. Bands are cool. It's whatever you can get a nice sort of nothing too stressful because you want to be like, you don't want to be training backstage. That's a big, yeah. you just want to get some blood moving. You know, if you're lying down backstage, if you're on late and you've been, you know, backstage sitting down for a few hours, you don't want to have heavy stuff. You just want to have some stuff to get some blood moving. Don't stress, you know, do a light pump up for 20 minutes before you're on stage. It's all you
0: need. Absolutely. And what about the look of bikini? Like, where do you see that heading in the next couple of years? Like, I noticed, like, the lats have gotten bigger. So, like, do you see it sort of getting any larger at all? Or are we sort of going to be here for a while?
1: I think that... I would say that Laura Lee's are probably the perfect example of bikini in terms of size. I
0: right. think that
1: she probably doesn't need to grow anymore. So if anyone's thinking about, oh how how big do I need to be, I would say look at Laura Lee because she has a decent amount of she, she has big glutes, she's got good shoulders, she's got decent back, decent sized quads. She'll be an example. If you look at Issa Pacini in comparison to Laura Lee, Issa's still got room to grow.
2: Mm.
1: You know, so structurally look, This is very, very good. She's kind of very freaky looking, but I think if Laura Lee was absolutely peeled out of her mind, she would beat Issa no problem at the Olympia, because she has more size. However, if Issa puts on, continues to put on size, as I'm sure she will be, and if she has the same amount of muscle that Laura Lee has structurally, it's almost impossible to beat her. But I think Laura Lee is probably the only person that can beat her. So. Train to put on muscle, ladies, and if you develop too much muscle, you can always stop training that body part. So don't be scared to put on muscle. Don't be scared to have an off-season. Don't be scared to have an abundance of calories that are, you know, within an ideal range. You know, speak to your coach and figure out a game plan. Put on muscle.
0: Brilliant. Great advice. And why not, I guess, should the ladies do all over body workouts? Like, why do we do splits and focus on one body part sort of per day?
1: Yeah, so full body workouts like i'm just gonna like you're you're a fucking retard if you prescribe that shit like i'm sorry and i know so many coaches out there that do that and like "Mm, you're hurting my feelings but look at the bodybuilders right let's just use this as an example you look at ronnie coleman in the gym he's got a shitload of muscle right what does he do he goes in a belt of body part same thing with jay cutler branch Warren, all these really crazy dudes with a shitload of muscle so if you want to grow as a bikini competitor, why are you training and doing full body workouts? Focus on that muscle and blow that motherfucker up. And that means dominate your leg day. You know, don't be doing legs and back and shoulders together. That's stupid. You're wasting yeah. time. Like I see people that do that and then they're programming. I'm thinking, you know, I just, I speak to coaches and they're trying to justify their own bullshit. It's like, there's a reason why everyone else does train that way. Why does Angelica do her thing? If you've got the, all the size in the world, and you're refining, that's a little bit different. You can do full body workouts because you don't need to put on that size, right? So if we're talking about amateurs, stay the fuck away from full body workouts. For a professional that has the size, like if Laura Lee, for example, did a full body workout, I'd be like, yeah, it's fair enough because she's got a lot of size. What's she going to do? But sure. she, you still, have, you still see her posting on Instagram. She does a dedicated back day. She does her glutes. She might do delts and shoulders together, that type of thing. But the goal is to build muscle. Like most bikini competitors don't have enough muscle. So train like a bodybuilder.
0: 100%. And I was wondering, like, in terms of body parts that maybe girls neglect in bikini, is there anything that you think girls should add into their programs, like maybe carbs that give you a well-rounded physique?
1: Oh, yeah. Train for symmetry and proportion. Like, you need to look look at your silhouette. Where's your body part? So if you're hitting a side shot, whether it's, you know, your favorite side shot, uh, and when I say side shot, I mean your front slash side shot, right? So look at your weakest body part in that pose and go, Oh, okay. My glutes look good. My quads look good. My hamstrings are a bit shallow and my calves suck. Okay, cool. I need to work on my glutes, hamstrings to bring up to make sure it complements that pose, you know, and then you go to the rear shot and go, Oh, you know, I don't have as much taper as I like because I'm sort of don't have that V at the top. So maybe work on upper back development. And the same thing that upper back development is going to complement your side shot. Cause it's going to give you more taper. And just like you discussed before, you mentioned, You know The bikini gills these days, I suppose, are getting that more tapered look, and it's because they're having more broader shoulders, the upper back's definitely growing, and it's very noticeable in the front shot as much as the rear shot.
0: 100%. Would you ever prescribe an ab day, or is that just something you wouldn't do because you feel like it would blow out in the transverse abdominis?
1: Yeah, definitely don't do that. I wouldn't recommend that. So you want to keep your waist as small as possible, and like anything, if you train it, it's going to grow. So. Mm there's a fine line between having no development in the abdominals versus having thick abdominal wall. So you definitely don't want to think thick obliques, not just as a bikini competitor, but even as a bodybuilder. So I think that with the exception to men's physique, that's a little bit different, but for bikini specifically, more more often than not, ladies don't need to train their abs specifically. And if you're going to train them, bodyweight exercises, planks, prone holds, leg raises, that type of thing. Don't do cr- weighted crunches and all this type of shit. Like you see powerlifters is doing that and look at their midsections.
0: Yeah, or CrossFitters, like they're always quite thick through the waist as well.
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: For sure. So, if you had to run into a supermarket and choose one bang for buck carb, protein, and fat source, what would be your go to?
1: For me personally?
0: Yeah, like or something even that keeps you full. Like, I find like I love protein, but it never keeps me as full as chicken or rice.
1: Okay, so, hmm. See, now it's weird. Like, I can't have oats because I have gluten sensitivity. So I can, like, I used to love oats, protein powder, berries, adding in a fat sauce, like ABC spread or peanut butter, but I can't have that anymore. So that would probably be my go-to back in the day. Like I just, you know, it's very filling. You have a big bowl of oats, you know, I would even put honey in it, whatever I want. Right. So, and I'd have protein powder with that. So I'd probably say that like literally oats, protein powder, a fat sauce, put in some blueberries, you know. You, even if you were to do it basically, we're only choosing one. So we're choosing one, right? So oak, yep. protein powder, ABC spread. I'm going to mix it all together. It's going to taste boss.
0: Nice. And seeing we are all about those glutes, what is your favorite exercise for the lower glutes, the medial glutes and the top of the glutes?
1: Mm, I think so when we're working on outer glutes, just do a wide stance ladies, like wide stance is the king. So a to my leg press, you can do a wide stance hip thrust. I generally prefer most ladies I find that I work with prefer Smith machine to do like a wide stance Smith machine hip thrust because you've got that tension. You don't have to stabilize it. That's the problem with barbell. I do like to incorporate barbell movements, but anything with the wide stance for the outer glutes so important. The lower glute. hmm, There's so many different things. If you can execute this movement correctly, most, Mm -hmm. most of the time they can't, I'm not a fan of adding this in too much because unless they're at a high level deficit deadlifts are amazing for the lower glute.
2: Awesome. But
1: the problem is, is that most people lift it explosively. They use their core to move the weight. And that's not the purpose of the movement. The purpose of the movement is to put as much tension on the glutes as possible. So outside of that, I would probably say even just a lunge, like at some sort of lunge variation, like a deficit reverse lunge, uh, static pulse lunges for the lower glute. And you can do that. So for a static pulse lunge, actually. So think of this. Hopefully, people can picture this in their mind. If you're doing a stationary lunge, you pulse on the bottom. So the like doing half reps. Shift your if you've got your right foot out, shift your body weight to the right side. So you're pushing your hip out to the right side where your foot is. So you're putting all you're transferring all your weight, the center of your body is going to your right hip. That automatically puts a shitload of tension on that glute. And you pulse up and down to failure like that's good to go um awesome. and for like the middle glute i'm probably saying anything with the close stance so maybe like a lying leg kill hip thrust but close stance like that it provided that the machine doesn't hit your lower back some lying leg kill machines suck and you might get a bit of lower back issues like like you your back starts pumping up but you don't have to you don't have to do it there you could just do it on a smith machine so feet close together will hit that area really well
0: brilliant and do you find like do you like the smith machines that are sort of like fixed because i often find it doesn't work with the way i thrust we've got one at my gym that sort of has a free flowing like movement so i find that mimics sort of the way your body moves but i don't know that the normal smith machines don't seem to work for me so is there a preference for you on the smith machine
1: i would say that it depends on the, yeah some smith machines suck And some don't have that full range of motion. So then you'll need to extend your range of motion and like stand on a plate just to even get a full stretch. So that's also a problem. But I definitely like the, yeah, exactly as you mentioned, I don't know what they're called, but let's call it a free range Smith. Yeah. Um, I definitely like that as well. But for me, probably if you have that issue, try out the line leg curl with thrust because you're in that. I just find like it's a very natural movement provided that it's a good line leg curl. Again, there's always an asterisk, right? Like, and I think it's important you know, having this discussion with people that might be listening, try things out and see what works for you. Just because I'm like a Smith Machine's awesome, doesn't necessarily mean it's gonna work with your body structure and it's gonna feel right for you. So try it out. Maybe try and like a leg hip thrust, you know? Maybe you're just not a hip thruster and you're just like these movements suck and you prefer a barbell glute bridge. Because there was a time where I used to train glutes and I used to hate barbell hip thrust. I used to love doing a glute bridge. So starting on the bottom versus on the bench. And I don't know why, I just found that it was much more effective for me. So try to play around with different things, have a really slow and controlled tempo, squeeze the glutes and find what works for you would be my recommendation.
0: Brilliant. Great advice. And what about like in terms of many of the women that you work with, do you find that any of them are hard gainers or do you really have to be sort of unlucky not to grow if you're not putting in the work and, you know, having a good diet?
1: I think that the hard gainers are the ones that don't work hard, like like, (laughs) Because I have some girls that I'm like, wow, you're growing like a weed.
2: Yeah. And,
1: and then sometimes I'm thinking, is, is this, is this fucking woman like taking some shit? You know what I mean? Because like, like yeah. as in performance enhancement stuff and I'm like, she hasn't told me. I'm like, what the fuck? And then I'll look at other, you know, competitors that I have and I'm like, they're not growing. And I and sort of review things and I, one of the things that I like to do to measure why they're growing so quickly or whatever their results are is I'll get them to send me videos on WhatsApp so I can look at their form. Mm. And when I'm looking at their form, I'm like, okay, this woman is got like form of the gods. She's intense. She looks like a pissed off female, you know what I mean when she's training versus someone that's just going through the motion. And like, okay, you look like you're going through the motion, you're, you have good form, but your intensity sucks. Where's your intention? And I think that probably relates back to setting yourself a goal. Like, do you want a pro card? You know, what type of physique do you want? And if you set the goal, you set the tone, you set your intention you're going to go in like one of the girls that I'm like, uh, I might name her. She is, she's a young competitor, but as I was sort of telling that story, I was picturing her. Hmm. She has this goal set in her head and I can see that goal, like in her face when she's training, you know, she's just completely crazy and intense in the movement. So I think it's all about, you know, the effort that you put in the gym because all these girls for me, like if it's from the same coach, right. They are all doing the same shit. Like, but what is different is their intention and their intensity in the gym because I'll feed them all the same. There might A few of them might be, you know, I'll have a cheat meal here and there. But the cheat meal here and there is more than often than not beneficial for growth. So I think it goes back to intensity.
0: Brilliant. I love that. And what about in terms of, like, time in the gym? Like, what becomes ridiculous? Like, anything over sort of an hour and a half? Like, what sort of, like, recommended time?
1: Some of my girls are, like, they like to have, I don't know, like, some of them are go over two hours. And I'm like, how are you in the gym for two hours? And some of my programs are very, very high volume at a lot of sets and some aren't depending on who it is. Uh, but I generally like would say 90 minutes is good. But yeah. um, as long as you're feeding. So you can train as hard as you like. If you're having adequate calories, you're going to grow. And I think more often than not, bikini competitors specifically are being underfed from coaches. And that's probably is a direct correlation to the gains that they make.
0: Mm, 100%. Bit of a controversial one, the next one. So if we could just maybe go through the most recent Olympia and just sort of, I guess, yeah, I guess give your opinion on why you think the girls place from one to five. Okay, so. so I'm sorry, uh, the back shot and the front, so I can just have a squiz myself. So obviously first was Issa.
1: Yeah. So um, what I'm going to do is, because you sent me that email, I'm going to quickly open that right now. Yeah, awesome. And then we'll be able to have that discussion. Do-do-do-do-do. I just want to have that in front of me, that's all. Absolutely. Okay. Okay, here we go. All right, perfect. So, yeah, Issa, I I definitely didn't have a problem with her winning. I thought she won quite easily. Yeah. Janet in second, no, definitely not. I think that Janet is just so undeveloped in the front shot. She just doesn't have muscle. And if you look at her rear shot, I mean, from the front, she's very conditioned. She's a very beautiful woman has really good stage presence like when she walks out she's got that janice swag she's just like as i mentioned before like you know she's in the moment she's enjoying it she's just got this sort of aura on stage that you're drawn to which i really like but with yeah. her overall flow proportion the development that the other ladies have would be superior in my mind especially from the rear like when she turns to the rear the good hamstrings the hamstrings aren't there calf development kind of sucks and the conditioning mm-hmm. even though for example let's say someone like laura lee was out of condition, if you're comparing the rear shot, Laura Lee has a superior rear shot, you know, to mm-hmm. Janet. And there's a few other ladies in the lineup that also do that. So I would have, I kind of knew where they were going to place Janet when I was watching it live, but I wouldn't have her in the top five. So I would kick her out straight away. This is fine for me in first. Angelica, I remember like seeing her walk out on stage and I thought, oh, she's in condition this year. She hit a front shot. Awesome. Turn to the rear. I was disappointed. The glute hamstrings yeah. were just not tight. She, for whatever reason, whatever happened, I think she even did a post on her Instagram saying that things didn't work and she tightened up for the finals. The pre judging wasn't spot on the money, but
2: mm.
1: I just think she wasn't in shape for the glute hamstrings and that you know she shouldn't be rewarded with the third place. Like I definitely didn't see that happening. I actually thought it's funny looking at these photos because we're seeing the shape. And in these photos, Laura Lee's shape stands out, but she's not in condition. Because I remember watching the live stream going, oh, wow, she's off the mark.
0: Is that what she was, she was injured, wasn't she? Like, uh, did she have an injury? Look, in they say
1: that, that. That guy makes so much bullshit excuses. Like, everything's a problem. You know? Like, <laughs> it, apparently, she had this lower back injury, whatever it was. I'm like, lower back injury, couldn't train for two weeks. Dorian Yates, Tori's fucking bicep and tricep. And did and you see him go to the Olympia and win the Olympia with a fucking torn. He's got like his arm was purple all the way down and he competed with a torn fucking bicep. Are you fucking kidding me? And this woman had lower back problems. What a load of horse shit. So um, I just think that, and it's not her fault. She might have had a lower back problem, which is fine. Yeah. right? But the coach is just a dickhead, I'm just making excuses. Like literally people, Doran Yates won an Olympia one year with a torn bicep, literally fresh, water retention city, and with a torn tricep one year so just picture that like there's a difference and the conditioning for bodybuilding is so much more superior than it is for bikini so put that into context and you can smell bullshit
0: yeah sure yeah. absolutely and what about um jen dory coming what
1: you <laughs> i just had to say that i'm sorry uh
0: no good. i'm glad you
2: did
1: with, with um jen dory actually when i watched this live uh, I thought she was best I've seen her recently. I still think she can improve her posing. Like even in the photo that you sent me, she's kind of chickening yeah. her arm up. It should her, sure. her elbow should be in line a little bit more with her knee. So she needs to drop her hand to accentuate her taper a bit more. And with her, her hair is covering her shoulder, she's not showing her taper. So it actually makes her look more narrow because her hair's covering it. Big, big problem to do that. You only sure. cover your hair like that if your shoulders are jacked. Um, but obviously you see the girls next to her, Same thing with um, uh, Ashley Kay um, in that lineup. Ashley's doing the same thing. Why are you showing? You're sort of making yourself look more narrow versus Laura Lee. Janet doesn't have big shoulders, but she looks a lot more impressive in the shoulders than Jen does, and that's just a hair issue. So, in saying that, I would have had in like in this photo. It's funny. It looks like Laura Lee's beating her, but I remember when I watched the Olympia, the conditioning. I would have. Jen Dory in front of Laura Lee. So I would have swapped that position. So it had Issa first, Angelica second, Jen Dory third, Laura Lee fourth, Ash K Janet fifth or sixth.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that with us.
1: I know that, that was a long answer, but
0: no, it's good.
1: And you know what? Ash K is flat as a pancake, like eat some carbs woman. Like she's just flat. And that's the same thing. That's exactly what uh, her coach did to Laura Lee. At the Arnold when she placed six, just didn't feed her.
0: Yeah, right. So you out. think that's definitely why she's dropping off? Like if she ate more food, she could definitely place higher.
1: Absolutely. You can see she's flat and she's got a lot of muscle. I remember when she, like her, have you seen like, like that image that we're looking at, right? Her calves were mm. so small. Have you seen her calves in the off season? How big they are?
0: Yeah, she's solid because she's done a lot of sprinting in the past. I like that was sort of her background. Yeah, she's got an incredible.
1: Amazing, amazing development of calves. And in that rear shot, they look like they've disappeared. That's because she's so depleted and flat. And you can see that in her rear delts, her shoulders. She looks stringy up top. And that's because her coach doesn't carve her up. So, you know, for the ladies that are listening, it's like crazy shit happens at an elite level as well. That's just just what happens. Um, Issa Pacini was a clear winner because her coach pretty much brought her in really good condition, has really good fullness. She's improved her posing. And no one was close enough to compete with her for the top spot. She was a clear winner.
0: Absolutely. Do you think like the judges at the Arnold's and the Olympia, they're sort of pretty even when they come to like placing people or do they sort of rank people quite differently? Do you think?
1: I think it's pretty consistent. I think that, you know, for whatever reason, Janet, I does get rewarded a little bit too much in my opinion. I don't understand why I think maybe because they just like the fact that she's very naturally pretty. She poses and presents really well. Like she's very like, Looking at an image
2: and watching video isn't
1: the same as seeing her in real life. Like when we see her in real life, she really captures the, the moment and you're just drawn to her. So I can understand that from a judging point of view when you're there live. In photos and video, it doesn't do her justice, but I still
2: think
0: mm. they
1: reward her a little bit too much with a higher placing. I don't see why they do that.
0: Yeah, she definitely has that Victoria's Secret model look. Like she's, yeah, pretty striking.
1: Yeah. What was your opinion on Olympia? How did you have it?
0: Um, I oh, let's go with I really love Laurel and Jen. Um, I definitely love Ashley. Uh, then yeah, East is definitely up there too. I'd say Angelica would be fourth, and Janet would be fifth for me.
1: Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, we're yeah we're on the same very same very much the same page. I think. Um...
0: And what do you think? Yeah, I guess about Angelica, like she came in much tighter, don't you think? For Arnolds, like she really yeah improve would you say
1: yeah but it's if you look at the video right well so it doesn't matter what contest even the recent one look at her walk to the rear she's got a lot of i don't know if it's a combination of water retention or body fat or both like mm. she needs to lose more more body fat in the rear because she's walking to the rear she gets them destroyed in that shot because she's jiggling and that's happened mm. quite a lot i've seen whereas someone like Issa doesn't move you know
0: yeah, that's a very tight package. <laughs>
1: Laura Lee, even when Laura Lee's out of shape, right? And I say out of shape because we're nitpicking here, right? She's obviously. Yeah, absolutely. But she does not wobble in the walk to the rear, Laura Lee, even when she's out of shape. So there's something going on with Angelica if she's wobbling that much when she looks like she's in better condition than Laura Lee
0: interesting yeah 100% agree with you so what about um changing topics now how do you feel true I guess when like an athlete leaves you for another coach and this is something that happens to coaches in every sport so I guess like how do you, do you like take it personally or like, how do you deal with it
1: not at all like you just gotta think about uh it's good to also collect information if that happens so it's like okay find out the why so for any yeah. out there that might be but just find out why get some feedback and you know, it might not be anything that you did wrong. It just might be the, the looking at learning new things or would like to try something different. So at the end of the day, you're getting paid for a service or someone is you know, looking to go elsewhere. You've got to respect that. They might want to try something and they might come back to you later. It might happen. But I definitely think taking it personally is really stupid.
0: 100% and this is a listener question so sort of along the lines is the last one, how do you feel when I guess girls join you and then they start up their own coaching business, like does that ever get to you or are you sort of like flattered or do you ever feel like maybe they're taking your protocols and giving them to other girls, I guess, yeah, how do you deal with that?
1: I encourage them I encourage them, so absolutely doesn't bother me, so for example, so Steph's a Bikini Pro, she has her own coaching thing, I encourage her, I, I think it's important for you know, if if you do have a good experience and you think that, you know, you know, you have what it takes to help others, it's a service. And I think it's important for more good coaches to to be able to do that. And if I feel like, you know, I'm working with some ladies and they're doing coaching themselves and I know that they're good, I'm going to encourage it hundred percent. And a lot of these girls that have done that with me, you know, cause some people ask me that actually quite a lot They're like, Oh, how do you feel about that? I'm like, fucking oath. We need more good coaches. So it's not about You know, people need to get off the high horse and stop being so Mm. sensitive about shit. It's like, do you want, you know, as a sport or a community, like bodybuilding is a very, or bikini is a very small community, right? So we want to have more coaches that are knowledgeable. We want to have more competition when there's more competition. So if I have, for example, let's say Steph Carr, right? So we're just using her as an example. She's um, developing, like she's got a lot of posing clients now. She is also doing contest prep. And what does that do for me? right? Because it's like, Oh, you know, you would have been getting referrals from her if she didn't start her own thing. But it's also, it gives me an opportunity to step my game up. Cause I'm like, oh, I'm teaching Steph all these things. She's going to use that same knowledge on, on her clients. I've got to lift my shit up. So it's good for the industry. It's good for the athletes because there's more competition as well. So I think, uh, it's also good for me as a coach because it keeps me, keeps me. All right, cool. I'm going to, I need to step my shit up. I need to improve. So I'm not a person that gets complacent. I don't think I know everything. I want to learn more. I want to be the best. And I welcome anyone that wants to, you know, comp- the ones that want to coach if they're on my team because I think it's important for good coaches to be around and it's good to have options.
0: Brilliant. I love that. And I've got another listener question here. So what is the first and the last thing you would alter when needing to make a change in a client's plan?
1: The last thing and the first thing? Uh,
0: Yeah, sort of. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I'll let you sort of take
1: over. Yeah. So the first thing that I would change in terms of we're talking about contest prep or off season.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm guessing contest prep. Like I'm guessing the the meaning like cardio first, or yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess it's contest prep. We'll we'll use it as. I
1: would. I'd I'd like to probably adjust diet first. Uh, I'm (laughs) very much of a fan of starting modest with cardio in contest prep. That way you've got room to move, and I think that adjusting calories is probably the best thing. And then obviously sometimes they're also just training program, like the volume that they're doing. So there's so many different ways that you can look at things, but it also depends on the individual. So if someone that I'm working with is doing 30,000 steps a day because they're a nurse, for example, as their occupation, I don't want to increase their cardio because they're doing 30,000 steps a day. Right. So I'm going to be thinking, all right, let's make adjustment with their, with their diet first. So it depends on the person. It's very, I know that's a, like, it sounds like a bullshit answer, but it has to be individualized to the person. Like you can't just have the same method for everyone. You need to figure out what that person needs. But most, most of the time, my generic answer would be adjust the diet first.
0: Awesome. And what about, we're coming to an end. I won't hold you for too much longer, but what about some interests that you have outside of bodybuilding that girls might be interested to learn about you?
1: Interest outside of bodybuilding. Okay. So I agree.
2: Yeah, I, enjoy <laughs> good good. Reading.
1: I definitely am a big reader so yeah but i think probably everyone would know that that i like to read i'm i definitely look at the stock market now i'm sort of obsessed with it so shares is really interesting so i think that i'm probably more interested really overall in self-development and planning for the future so
2: yeah
1: you know investing time in a book you know looking at shares thinking about financial planning these type of things that maybe i thought were boring when i was 20 years old right so Anything that's going to benefit me as a person is what I'm interested in. In terms of, like, fun, shit. We could do a whole podcast on that because. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: I just, and we may need to edit it and censor it some more.
1: <laughs> yeah, like I just, uh, look, if you're going to have a good time, right, you want to go out and have a fucking good time. So that's all I'm going to say.
0: Yeah, <laughs> nice okay what about conspiracy theories we don't need to get into it a whole lot but are there any that you actually think might be true like 5g for example like any thoughts there
1: so 5g i mean so we're, we're talking about the like what like maybe be a bit more specific so what particularly about 5g
0: well, wow, they're saying that it can be poisonous for the body. Like, and I can't imagine even with us knowing that with how people are with their phones, like I can't even imagine people putting them down if it was proved to be poisonous. But I guess I've seen videos of birds dropping out of um, trees near hospitals where like they've installed the 5G. So yeah, I guess, have you done any research into that? And do you think there might be yeah any truth to that at all?
1: Yeah. So that's something that I honestly need to research more. I've done a bit of research. And it's funny that I've mentioned something about 5G being dangerous and- I've seen information that is pro 5G and obviously against it. So I'm someone that can be influenced either way because I'm all about facts. But the problem is, is that, you know, when you are given information, so I was having a discussion with someone else the other day and she was saying that 5G is cool. And I'm like, no, it's not right. That was just my side of things. And she sent me a document that I haven't read yet. uh, And it was like a PDF version from the Australian government. And I just said to her, you know, am I supposed to read this and be impressed because it's from the government? I mean, they've got an invested interest in this economically, financially. So, I mean, doesn't that sort of take away the credibility because it's the same government, right? or governments. So it doesn't matter if the New Zealand government, Australian government that know that smoking is bad for us and doesn't give a fuck. They slap a tax on that shit. They still sell it. So Mm. because something's in a government document doesn't necessarily mean that it's good to go. Uh, There's, so many different people that have come out and said 5g is bad. What I don't like is a censorship of information. So if we were to go on YouTube right now and try to search for it, chances are that you're going to find it is very, very slim. So you have YouTube who are controlling the information that we can look at because it's not easily accessible unless they've got their own private server. So I find that very, very interesting. The fact that the censorship and there's a certain narrative I'm I'm a, I sort of a bit more observant and aware of, let's say certain narratives being pushed, Mm. genders being pushed and the content or the information that is available with that narrative, right? So like the black lives matter sort of right now, what's going on. And I think that was terrible. Obviously what happened to George Floyd, but there's so many different examples of, of things that have gone on that aren't pushed and it's election time, right? They need to create a shitstorm so they can get Trump out of there. So, there's a lot of things politically that go on that we don't know and we can only speculate because there is a. There definitely is a system, you know, depending on how far you want to go into it, there's a hierarchy, right? They want, let's call it a 1% club. They control everything. We're governed by that shit. And it is, let's call them globalists. So, globalists would be. Someone that is, let's say, an organization that is responsible for, you know, dictating world events. And a lot of people are influenced by different corporations and it goes down the chain. So 5G, it makes money. Could it be dangerous? Possibly. It would makes logical sense that it might be the radio frequency side of things. Uh, I need to research a bit more, but the fact that the censorship of, uh, censorship of information is a problem. There's no, like, where's the freedom of speech? You know,
2: mm. see,
1: like, you can go on YouTube right now and look up flat earth, right? So people think that the earth's flat, but you can't go on YouTube and look at shit that's uh, 5G's bad. Why? Because it's against their agenda. So I find yes. that very, very peculiar, you know? So okay. 5G um, Versus flat earth, no one gives a fuck about flat earth. Earth's round flat, no one gives a shit. Why don't they give a shit? Because there's no real, there's nothing to gain from it, right? But there is something to gain from 5G. So I'm skeptical about the information that that is pushed out by, let's call it the, the media. And I don't accept everything as fact, but I can be persuaded either way from experts or people that have information. So if anyone does have any information on that, Please send it to me. I'm happy to look at it, but I'm definitely very sceptical.
0: Yeah, I find it interesting as well that they've only tested it on a plastic dummy called Sam as well. That kind of scares me. Yeah. I, don't really... <laughs>
1: I, wonder, I wonder how he's doing.
0: Yeah, exactly. Not really human-like, but um, anyway. Um, and what about um, completely controversial, but 9-11? Do you ever think that could be an inside job?
1: Absolutely. If you look at Building 7, so if anyone that isn't aware of what happened, Building 7 was a controlled demolition. Like, that's fact. Like, you, they cannot yeah. have that. That actually happened. So the fact that they sort of – I mean, you lose credibility when you're not honest, right? They could have yeah. – the credible story, if they even were bullshitting, but they didn't, they decided to cover it all up. All you need to do for anyone that's listening that was like, oh, Troy's a fucking asshole. I was talking about all these coaches and these swears all the time. And look up – building seven and do some research and information, get some information on that. And you'll be pleasantly, well, you won't be pleasantly surprised. You're going to be surprised in the, in the worst way. That shit definitely happened. And who did it, who was responsible for it? You know, that can be left up to interpretation. But I also say it's so easy to go down the rabbit hole, right. And just Mm. research all this shit. Is it going to change anything? Does it make you more well-informed? Is it cool to be like, you know, condescending to people and be like, No, you're wrong, I'm right. You know, I don't know sort of how to how to approach this all the bullshit that we sort of live in, right? So what is your opinion on on the nine eleven thing?
0: yeah i'm open to like i remember watching with my partner and he was just like oh god next is if and i'm just like no i find this shit so interesting like i just need to talk with someone who's like open to the idea because i totally believe like that anything like that's possible and we're sort of possibly fed bullshit, and and we just have to believe it but yeah i'm really pleased there are people out there who sort of like to investigate you know another option
1: absolutely and what about even what do you think about vaccines
0: I, do you know what? To be honest, like whenever I get asked now for a flu vaccine, I'm asthmatic, and I'm like, is that that's not exactly going to stop COVID? So if I take one, that's maybe going to wear my immune system down. So if I actually was around someone that had COVID, I think I'd be severely fucked. So yeah, I don't know. Like I'm I'm kind of scared to yeah even have a flu shot after what's sort of gone on.
1: Yeah. So I like to talk to experts, right? So with the whole COVID nineteen vaccine, yeah. So yeah, this is a debate that I've with had. Know, right? Hey.
0: There isn't one yet, is there? Like, we haven't got anything.
1: No, well, they, they haven't. Um, but the issue with that is that is that, let's say if they do, they, might, they yeah. might be redundant anyway. So let's say, for example, Bill Gates has made a vaccine, it's good to go. They might be made redundant because there's mutations happening in the gene sequence. So that changes the shape of spikes of protein. So they would need to change the vaccines again. So mm-hmm. the vaccine would, would target specific spikes. If those spikes are getting changed, it pretty much makes it redundant. So it's like, lol, you, you cannot use it. And yeah. too many people are relying on vaccines as well, like with the idea of a vaccine in the hopes that it will save them. But sometimes the vaccines don't work. And mm. there is a probability that a vaccine could reduce the infection by a lot, but mm. it's not going to reduce everything if there's, if not everyone's going to get it as well. So I think herd immunity is a big thing, like for us to have a strong immune system and to develop know, t- just to let our body fight it naturally.
0: 100%. If you had children, would you get them vaccinated?
1: Uh, I'd, I'd need to do more research. Like, I can't say yeah. that I would or wouldn't, but I'm very sceptical. So flu vaccination, definitely not, because I've seen a lot of information regarding that. I definitely would not get them to touch that. Hell no. Um, everything else. Yeah. Um, like, I grew up, I don't know how many different injections I had, uh, you know, that is sort of mandatory in Australia. But um, I think some of the new ones are very particular, like peculiar, like meningococcal, right? You're not going to fuck around with that. You're going to get that injection. So Hell yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a, like, the people that are really <laughs> on one side of the spectrum, they're like, oh, vaccines are evil. It's like, uh, I think you're going to want a meningococcal injection. Like, you you know, you're not going <laughs> to yeah. want that shit, so. You want to stick to your
2: gas. And, yeah. yeah, exactly.
1: For sure. Like, you can, in-, <laughs> in the same people, it's like you can inject Botox in your forehead, but you're not going <laughs> to... You know what I mean? Like, get the fuck out of here. So I think it would be, I'm all about information, but the flu vaccine, there seems to be a lot of information out there that, you know, doctors are sort of against it. Um, And then people are like, oh, but they have a reason to be against it because they're trying to make money. Okay, well, we can use the same argument, whether it's for or against. So, you know, I think it needs to, for people that are really concerned about it, do your research and when in doubt, just listen to your gut.
0: Yeah. And it's so personal as well. Like my husband, when he has them, like he gets really sick. Like, so he's never, he's had one that i recommended. I was like, go and get one. And he came home and he was sick for like four days. So wow. I think it's really case-dependent as well.
1: Yeah. See, that's scary, right? Sure. So, I mean, how can you be told to, to get on a vaccine and then to have these type of symptoms? That's just not logical.
0: Yeah, I wonder if it would ever be made compulsory, like if they did have a COVID vaccine. Like they they couldn't exactly make us all have it. Like that's not a
1: thing. Have you you checked out that uh, ID2020 stuff?
0: No. Okay.
1: So So what they're looking at doing with vaccines is there's different ways to do things, but um, I won't get into ID2020, but it's a similar concept.
2: Sure.
1: So they're going to make it – the vaccines are going to be microchipped so, for mm. example, this is just a theory. It could be possible that they might want to. So, they meaning the government. The government might want to mandate vaccines, and it would be up to the individual. So, they're going to sort of half do it, right? So, it's your responsibility to get it. We highly recommend that you get it, right? Probably yeah. what the, what it would be, but if you don't get it, you're not allowed to travel domestically or internationally, and the injection mm. itself will have a microchip. So, for example, you're going through the airport, you're going to be able to go, oh, hold on a second, yep, they've been scanned, uh, they've, got, they've had the injection go through. So they're going to put restrictions on things in the future potentially. I mean, that is just a theory, but yeah, if you're looking at it from what a control point of view... Yeah, what
0: yeah was sorry. That? I was just saying, is that the Elon Musk? I sort of saw him like talking about microchips the other day on I think it was Joe Rogan.
1: Oh, so Elon, Elon's a gangster, right? So he's doing microchips in the brain. So that's a little bit different. So microchip in the um, vaccination itself. So in the needle, you have the solution, boom. Whereas Elon Musk is about, uh, so he's developing a micro, so it's called Neuralink. That's his company. That is one of his many companies. And that microchip uh, is for autism, apparently. So it's going to help. uh, That was its original intention, but there's a lot of other benefits as well, but, if you have that microchip in the next five years, it might be five to 10, it's going to cure autism. So people are going to have proper, proper cognitive function, et cetera. Um, they're not going to have any mobility issues. It's going to be really, really interesting. So if you talk about like a groundbreaking company that is going to change the world, I mean,
0: Elon, <laughs> buy some stock.
1: Exactly. <laughs>
0: <clears throat> For sure. Um, Back to Team Destroy, Troy. So, what do you think? Like, what are the future plans for Team Destroy? Like, where will you be in the next five years? I guess, and I'll, I will let you go on the next five minutes.
1: So, where would it be in the next five years? Look, I actually—it's funny because I mentioned it, it's so important to set—it's—it's it's so important to set goals, right? And I was actually brainstorming with someone else, and I haven't set a five-year plan. Um, yeah. I, I know in terms of scaling the business, what I want to do in terms of growing, and I'm actually going to have a lot of different systems in place where I'm more about education. So I would like to educate females on the drug side of things, which is so very important and to make sure that Mm -hmm. if they do go down that road, that's fine. It's a personal decision, educate yourself and figure out what is the best way to do, you know, to do things. And sometimes, you know, a coach will say, do X, Y, Z. And you shouldn't do X, Y, Z. You should be like abandon shit, get the fuck out of there. But how do you come across this information? So I definitely want to be able to educate A lot of ladies on that. That's something that I want to push out. So I've got to figure out some different, you know, content or maybe products or whatever you want to call it that are available for everyone that they can look at some uh, some information and make a decision whether things are good for them or bad for them. So health is number one for me. Uh, I I just really I don't really have any I would say financial goals. It's more about value. Like I just want to educate as much people as possible and. I want to reach as much, much, people as possible, especially with the drug side of things. Like I'm sick and tired of cookie cutter. This is why I started team destroy as well. So there was a gap in the market, right? There was a, a thing in Australia and I was sort of prepping a few people here and there, as I mentioned before. And, um, it was actually Renee, um, Renee Garner. She was like, Troy, you should do coaching, blah, 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 like full time. And then Shannon Baker, who's another I for B bikini pro. Um, I was working with both of them at the time. And they're like, you should seriously do it. And I'm like, yeah, like you're good at it. You know, No one else knows what they're doing type of thing Um, with respect to everyone else. It was their their opinion. And Mm. I was like, fuck it, I'm going to do it. And then when I sort of did really, you know, commit to doing it full time, I discovered how much fucking bullshit there is in the industry. And I thought, shit, like cookie cutter programs, lack of communication, just everything's just terrible. And the drug side of things is just next level. So I just feel like for me, The number one thing that I want to do, like going back to it, is educate as many females as possible to make sure that they're doing the right thing for themselves. I'd I'd like to build confidence in in women as well, making sure that they feel good about themselves. It's a mental journey as well. So this is just a short time in your life, right? Like bikini, bodybuilding. It could be a five-year timeframe. Maybe it's 10 years for some people. That's fine. But you've got the rest of your life ahead of you. And when you're ruining your femininity, when you're ruining your reproductive system, all this type of crazy shit. I'm, I fucking hate coaches that pretend that people are natural when they're not, and they force their competitors to say the same thing when you can clearly see that they're not. And maybe for the people out there that are listening, can't identify who is using, who is not. And I definitely don't think it's okay to speculate, point the finger and be an asshole. Like you don't want to be an asshole about it, right? But it's about education and making sure that the ladies know – the direction that they're going in, they're educated, they feel good about it and they're confident. So I think that's something that I really want to push. I just don't know exactly the best vehicle to do that yet. I've brain, brain, definitely been brainstorming. Um, you know, The podcast definitely helps, but it's sort of it's small time. I need to do something on a larger scale. So I'm going to definitely be doing like, like a contest prep seminar type of thing uh, in Australia where as soon as COVID sort of fucks off, which would be great. I was intending to do that after the Arnold, but uh, we got we got caught in this bullshit. So but that's just again, that's just small time. I want to reach a larger audience and I've just got to figure out the vehicle to do that. But I've definitely got some ideas that I don't want to give away yet. But if anyone has some crazy ideas, right, just hit me up, message me, because I'll probably do it. Like I'm <laughs> I like to uh, I like to explore anything. I'm open to ideas and suggestions. That's something that I want people to understand as well not this close-minded prick that we're just my way or the highway. Like I love information, I love learning and I want to better myself. So that's that's probably, you know, a big runaround answer, but that's what's up.
0: Amazing. And you're planning on getting girls obviously to the Olympia stage? Like that's obviously oh, that, on the card.
1: That shit's game. That's game over. Well, that's, that's definitely going to happen <laughs> 100%. And, you know, we haven't had an Australian like you. you've been lucky enough to have um, Sheena. Go-to.
0: Yeah, and Katya as well.
1: Yeah, and uh, you know she won the New York Pro Show as well. I'm pretty sure did she win another contest as well? The New York, I'm, I'm not sure. But it, yeah,
0: it, she won a few. I can't think off the top of my head, but both Katya yeah. and Sheena have done really well. Yeah,
1: because I, I remember the New York win. I was like, wow, to win the New the New York that's a big, big, big deal. Like that's a fucking yeah. show. And um, so credit for Sheena for getting that done. But yeah, Australia sucks with bikini, and I'm like fuck fuck us sucking this. This is bullshit, you know. So. Wow. I definitely think that the standard in Australia now is improved and I think it's because it's information-based, right? So social media has definitely helped and you are a product of your environment. You hang around some crazy fuckers that want to get after it and it's exciting to see first-time competitors, like I mentioned, like I've got a couple of first-time competitors, they're crazy, like the way that they train, the way their commitment level, like, and I say crazy in the best way possible, like they're just completely yeah. dedicated to their craft, like a fucking machine, right? So. It's inevitable for ladies in Australia, and I hope it's the same for New Zealand, to go to the Olympia if they've got this attitude. It's just it's a, it's definitely inevitable. So it all comes on back down to setting the goal, like I mentioned, believing in yourself, or having a coach that believes in you, pushing yourself because you can't be like I don't like to hold hands. Like I'm definitely someone that supports my girls. Like I said, daily correspondence, etc. But I ain't I ain't holding hand. Like you're on the stage by yourself. You need to want this. More than anyone else wants this for you, I think that is the biggest thing that I need to like push forward to people. Want this shit more than anyone wants this for you, because I like if I like to if I like to win more than you, it's probably not a good thing.
0: Hell yeah, no, that's amazing. And for for girls wanting to reach out for coaching, if you have any space, where is the best place to find you?
1: Probably just hit me up on Instagram, like DM me, like I'm I'm a DMing motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs>
0: awesome I love it thank you so much Troy for your time honestly you've been so patient putting out with my deaf ear like I felt so spastic today but this was yeah I couldn't pass up the opportunity to interview you so I really appreciate you yeah giving me giving me your time you've done
1: really well I thought like I I actually forgot that your ear was stuffed until obviously you just mentioned it then again so yeah you killed it
0: my no, honestly my left ear is ringing like i can't hear but anyway this was so much fun and yeah yeah thank you so much and yeah i'll edit it and get it back to you and we can go from there legend
1: thank you for having me on i appreciate it
0: awesome have a great evening cheers oh, bye